This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 7th, 2019. This episode is brought to you by the American Driving Society. Good morning, horse world! We're trying to talk really fast today so you don't have to speed it up. Uh, we, no, it's for I, the millennials. They I just, listen to everything double speed. Double take speed. Take less time. Because it takes a lot less time. We have so many guests today that I think we're just going to talk this way the whole time. That'd on today's show, well, it's on Team today's USA's show. newest gold medalist, Mary Phelps, recaps the World Pony Championships. Tony Troyer tells us how we can support fellow carriage drivers in Chicago. And on Carriages 101, Kathleen Hake introduces us to hunting vehicles. Plus, on the Tremont training segment, we learn about prepping young horses for performance tests. And there's no TCVM segment because we don't have enough time, but I'm going to talk a little bit about keeping our old farm doggies feeling great throughout the winter. You were, you slowed down as you went. Did you notice that? You, I so did. Slower I, thought, and slower. I thought the fun part is kind of, it was, I was losing it. It was getting not so funny after a while. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I only keep... you and I think it's funny because we've been recording for too long. Yeah, no, we're a little punchy right now. <laughs> so um, most people know that we do record this one ahead of time because uh, Wendy has to work on Thursday mornings. Yeah. But thank you for joining us on the driving episode that we do once a month on the first Thursday of every month. Wendy and I have been doing the driving show together for about 10 years, <laughs> seems like. I think it is about 10 years, actually. No, it's 11 years. And we do, by the way, still put these episodes out on the driving radio show podcast feed. So if you want to find this specific episode, we put them out every month on the driving radio show podcast feed. And we just updated that feed. So you can actually go on there now and find every episode that we've done. So if you look up Driving Radio Show on your on your podcast player, any podcast player, you're going to see all the past episodes, hundreds of them in there that you can go back and listen right on your player now. You don't have to go to the website or anything like you used to have to do. We only had 20 there before, but we've upgraded all the feeds and that's what's happening. So you can go back and listen wow. to all the past ones. Well, we have Kathleen back with us from Carriages 101 from the Carriage Association of America. And this month we're talking about hunting vehicles, which came into prominence probably about the beginning of man and a wheel. <laughs> you would think so, yeah. but uh, the hunting vehicles that we're going to talk about today really came into being after um, Louis XIV. Um, at one point in time, he broke his arm while he was out hunting, and therefore he needed to be able to keep up with the hunt because he was not going to stop hunting. And therefore, they started developing vehicles uh, specifically to take you out on the hunt if you were not able to go out uh, with on the horses. And from what I understand, he was quite the driver and kept right up with the hounds. He had a foreign hand of ponies and was quite quick. <laughs> so what what year would Louis the Fourteenth be? Uh, Louis the Fourteenth. You're starting to talk 1600s? about 1683. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, I believe is is when he broke his arm. No matter what you think of hunting today, back in the day, it was not unusual for royal hunts to be, um, let's say, peppered with animals. <laughs> they actually <laughs> had carriages that they made uh, to transport deer and other animals out to where the hunt would be so that the royal personage would be sure to find one <laughs> and uh not not dissimilar to the canned hunts that we hear yeah, about I was just today. Gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> we uh it was just the earlier version of them <laughs> but uh he he was quite the quite the same the the driver and then even back in, into the 1715s, uh, he was still going out with the hunt. About three weeks before his death, he, he was actually out, and he took a small carriage. Um, he was 73, I think, at that time, and uh, still went out and, and hunted with them. He would hunt uh, wolf, boar, deer, and fox. But um, those type of things happened quite a bit, and as a result, carriages were built, um, with the ability to carry gun cases on the back, 
Um, they, in some cases, they had the gun cases on the side, uh, and they also would be have um, along the back. So the gun cases would be length horizontal along the back of the carriage, but they would also have gun mounts that ran vertical, so they would hold the stock of the gun. And in the 18th century, if you were going out to hunt game birds, for say, they would call the gun that you used a fowling piece. Um, and they were very specific for hunting game birds. But uh, they, you know, so things evolved over time, just like they do now. Well, and back then and, it would have been black powder, too. It wouldn't have been what yes, we're thinking of today. Definitely not automatic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had the same problem that we have today, which is how do you let people know that the horses and carriage are coming so that they don't accidentally shoot at you. Um, in this point of time, you know, wearing orange and, and some of the safety th features that we have today didn't really exist. So they would actually put bells on the horses. Um, and they did this in various parts of, of Europe. Uh, and I was, when I was in Spain uh, two weeks ago, we were actually able to see just this amazing set of saddle bells. Uh, so they would have gone right behind the horse's withers. And this particular set of bells has three little um, sets of bells on it. But the artwork on it is just amazing. It has crossed, I, I believe those are rifles, um, hunting horns. It has all different, it has the stirrups that come down. And it's just an amazing piece of artwork. And I, I hope you are able to share that um, with your listeners as, as part of the um, link. But it's just, it's amazing. But that's how they used to keep the horses safe back in the day. Because if you were out there on the, um, where it's sandy, you don't hear the carriages coming. Uh, all the sound would have been absorbed by the, the ground. And so the bells were what they used to keep the horses safe. So wouldn't it also but, scare away the animals? No, yeah, because... that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it was already a canned hunt, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> um, I had, like, them tied to a tree, tree. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> not, not quite that bad, but, it, you know, they... And they would go out and, and you know, they would hunt for quite a long time and, and on a regular basis. And it was the... There was an actual person whose job it was to make sure that there were animals there to hunt. Now, when... And they, they used to get these vehicles... I think they're called worsts. Um, and what? you would actually sit. They were long and you would actually sit on them astride. A, a so this carriage, you can picture it. It's like, I don't know, maybe 15 feet long. The head of it is a head of like a stag or something like that carved in wood. And then you would sit astride the centerpiece. And there was a groom in the front and, and some type of a footman in the back. Uh, but you would sit astride it, and that way you could carry your gun or whatever if you wanted to. And this is how they would go out. I'm not sure if you could shoot from it or not. I was going to say, but, but, they didn't even get any exercise. I, yeah, uh, well, they weren't going out for exercise. But uh, they they actually had, um, in some of these vehicles, they had pivoting chairs uh, so that you could just stay right on the, the coach or the um, brake and just pivot and do whatever you needed to do and somebody that worked for you would go off and fetch the animal and bring it back uh, <laughs> it was good to be wealthy back then. Yeah. yeah very good coming to this country we see a, a little bit different types of vehicles um in europe some of them were painted in america and when we talk about hunting vehicles they're much more likely to be natural wood um, and we usually refer to them as a sporting vehicle. It, it, Wendy's favorite vehicle, the Meadowbrook, actually oh, came yeah. across uh, about because of the of fox hunting. Um, we also had uh, people would go fox hunting in a Meadowbrook. They would follow the hunt, and that's why the those, so the Meadowbrooks are part of the Long Island cart family. Yeah, and so those were designed for the hunt in Long Island. So they oh would hilltop with them? Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, you're essentially hilltopping. Huh. Um, I don't think they called it that. They don't have hills. Yeah. It, it was pretty flat. Uh, it was much more interesting, <laughs> which is part of why they have the fenders, because 
at that point in time, I think that that area would have been a little boggy still. Um, and then we have the dog carts, which we've talked about before. And so that you could put your, they always have the um, ventilation on them, which is one of the ways that you can identify them uh, because they would put the dog underneath uh, the seat. And so that you could, try, your dog wouldn't be tired by the time you got to the hunt. Typically speaking, when we talk about sporting vehicles, they're they're sometimes a little plainer. The details are just, they're different. It's not about the paint and about um, being flashy. They're about being practical, but yeah, mm-hmm. being elegant. So this particular one does have um, a top that comes up to make sure that the uh, passenger, in this point, would be Augie Bush, and that would have been with the Clyde Clyde. Clydesdale, the whole bush beer type of thing, mm-hmm. um, would have kept him dry. His driver, however, was out in the open. The driver's seat, I believe, folds up. So, again, you would have been able to shoot out of the couch if you really had wanted to. Mm-hmm. This one being pheasant, I'm not sure that he did or not, but um, it could hold a party of eight, their guns and their ammo. It has special brackets on the side uh, to hold the guns. Um, and it has, a, in this particular case, a wicker basket that the details on this wicker basket are just amazing. Um, we covered it in the May 2018 Carriage Journal, which you can see online on Google. Uh, but it is just an amazing vehicle to look at. And again, the details are subtle. And how yeah. many horses would pull that? Would they I was thinking be of with that, a pair? Just a pair. Just a pair. Because yeah. uh, there would have been a vehicle that came along behind you and picked up your game. Now, at the Georgia a- uh, Museum of Agriculture down in Tifton, uh, when I was going down to Florida in January, I stopped there. And they have a really different type of hunting vehicle there. And it's a hunting wagon. And that's more like the type of wagon that you or I might have owned. Um, and on the side, it, it's, has a box and the box is where you put your guns. And in the back, it's, has a more, I wouldn't use the word crude. It's not, it's not truly crude, but it is by today's standards. Uh, at the time it was rather ingenious location for, uh, for the dogs. Um, it allows them a lot more ventilation because in Georgia it gets hot. And so if you had used the same ventilation that you would have had in some of these European vehicles that was a little cooler, your dogs would not have done as well. So this was a much more practical vehicle. But the thing that is really interesting on that vehicle is up at the dashboard, it has a, I'm going to call it a box. And you look at it and you're like, well, what is that? Maybe they put their lunches in it or whatever, but it's got a galvanized uh, I believe that's galvanized steel inside of it. And it's actually where they would put their water to drink. And it has a little faucet type thing on the bottom. But uh, to keep their water cool oh while they were gosh. out hunting, they would have put that in the, fr- uh, it was on the front of the vehicle. And that yeah. vehicle would have been pulled by either mules or horses. Mm-hmm. But that's something that you don't see every day. Oh, no, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's a very, very practical vehicle. It was meant to go through the brush of Virginia, or Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, uh, that particular vehicle is painted black. And this all started from my trip to Spain where I saw these bells. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at these. It was just an amazing set of bells. And they had several shooting breaks. We went to see one collection. It had 140 vehicles in it, I believe. Um, and it was just absolutely amazing. Um, if you ever get a chance to, and I say this, whether or not I worked for the CAA or not, but if you ever have a chance to go on a CAA trip, they're well worth it. We, uh, the things that you will see are just so interesting and, and unique. You don't necessarily see them any other way. And, uh, so you what know, was the next, highlight for you on this trip? Actually, the highlight on this trip was we, we were happened to be in Madrid the same day that a couple thousand sheep went through. Uh, they have a 600-year-old agreement that the sheep can go through uh, the center of Madrid once a year. And so we were there. We had just left the, the royal palace, um, and we got kind of caught up in this 2,000 sheep 
going down the middle of Madrid and they were followed by, they, there were some horses, you know, riders with them and, and some dogs and uh, goats were in there too, but they were followed by these oxen carts. And I think in normal everyday terms, they pull some type of a chuck wagon, but that particular day they carried a flat two wheel vehicle that um, you could see that all the different brands that were on the sheep. And when I say brands, I mean, they were painted on the sheep um, in this particular case, but it was amazing to see. We, we've never seen anything like that before, but there was a little Italian vehicle there that I would have taken home <laughs> if I could only fit it in this case. <laughs> it was, it was really, it was an experience. It was definitely an experience. But, uh, and you can see all for the photos on um, our Facebook page, which is the Carriage Association of America. I will be putting up uh, photos from Spain probably for another month because I, I just took so many. <laughs> but uh, it was, it's amazing. Next year we go to the Royal Windsor Horse Show and then we'll also go to, um, I think, Germany in the fall. And so that should be really interesting as well. You would, you would really enjoy it. Uh, not I a Meadowbrook in sight. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm going to get lots of hate mail from that. I'm sure. <laughs> and where can people find the CAA? We are online at caaonline.com for our website. And our Facebook page is Carriage Association of America. So, Wendy, what is the product feature of the month? I think it's about our puppies, isn't it? It's about our puppies. You know, I always tell people this. 100% of horse people have dogs. That's why we talk about doggy things, right? And our farm dogs live a kind of different life than our suburban dogs. Farm dogs want to be with us all the time when we're at the barn. But, you know, they get old and they don't want to stay in the house. But in the wintertime, I have some tips that can help your farm dog be happier when he's hanging out at the barn with you. So... Uh, the number one issue we have with farm dogs, of course, is old dog arthritis. And in Chinese medicine, we see that as wind, cold, and damp, right? Those are invaders to the system. And our formula, especially made for dogs, is called Doc's formula, D-O-K apostrophe S. And that's actually named after this German shepherd, Doc, and um, he. this formula was developed specifically uh, for dogs. So it's an arthritis formula that we use in people. And then we've added some different things to make it specific for dogs. So, uh, this herb formula has some herbs. I talk about a lot on the show. It has the two different angelicas, which is du ho and dong And then also it has uh du zong, which is the rubber tree bark. And those help with arthritis and back pain. And then, it has some herbs that will help with uh, geriatric animals. So it has uh, like an Indian mulberry, and it also has a, um, a, an herb that will help with uh, bone activity. So the cells in your bones, that uh, they're called the osteoclasts. So some of you know that with, um, with arthritis in horses, we use a, a a drug called osphos. And what that does is it stops the cells that break down your joint fluid. Okay. And that's something similar uh, with, with when people have uh, osteoporosis, those cells are what's attacking your bones and making them brittle and also attacking your joint fluid. And then of course these puppies are cold. So we use warming herbs to help them like, cinnamon, nutmeg, and fennel. I call them the Thanksgiving spices, right? Those are great for your puppy. And uh, for food therapy for your puppy, I always talk about, because we live in Florida, so we always have hot issues. And uh, I always say, avoid lamb, venison, chicken, because those are hot foods. Well, in the wintertime with your older dogs, those are great options for them to help them, to help warm them. So my favorite recipe for old dogs in, in the wintertime is a congee, which is like a cooked rice pudding made with either chicken or lamb or venison. And you can use muscle meat plus organs. And you just mix up this congee and you can boil it for quite a while and then add some winter root veggies and some Thanksgiving spices. Uh, so like winter root veggies are like sweet potato or pumpkin. 
And also mushrooms are really great for uh, older dogs. So you can imagine that sounds pretty good, right? For us to eat a kanji like that. Uh, but for your puppies, if you cook it, it helps them digest it too. Because when they're older, digesting, um, you know, a lot of people feed raw food to their dogs. And that's good for young dogs. But as they get older, they need some help digesting. So uh, also twina, which is massage, that can be super helpful. And one of the best things you can do for your old dog with arthritis is get him a new bed. We all wait. I'm looking at my dog right now, right? Her head is laying off the edge. She always likes a bed that's way too small for her. Lori's that way, too. She's always half on, half off, and it never looks comfortable. (laughs) I know. I don't know why they do that. But you know what? You need to get him an extra big bed. I and love buying beds for the dog, by the way. For some reason, buying beds is so much fun. Jennifer's like, the dog has more beds than we ever had. It's like, <laughs> no, I know, but getting them a new bed, because they do wear out. Even if you get the, the special foam, uh, orthopedic foam. Oh, I got to tell you they something. Wear she's out over she's time. prissy, too, because she we put sheets over the bed to keep it clean, you know, and then yeah. we wash the sheets. That way you don't have to wash the bed. And right. if the sheets are there for more than a week, she will not lay on it anymore. You have to change your sheets. She doesn't well, because want old she's sheets. smart. Because <laughs> so, she's smart. Yeah. So not only should you get new beds frequently, like every couple of months, but also you should get you should change your sheets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people get the product and what's it called again? Um, so it's called Doc's Formula, D-O-K, Doc's Formula. And it's um, you can get it at drwendying.com. Well, Mary Phelps of Horses Daily took her Shetland ponies to Europe to compete for Team USA and won the gold medal in cones. She joins us now to share her tales from her summer in Europe and to talk about her barn full of gold medal winning ponies. Welcome, Mary, to the Driving Radio Show. Thank you. It's an honor. To Yay. Be here. Congratulations. Thank you, and have something great to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I so, we loved following your trip and your pic, your thousands of pictures you took. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, all. and and that is just maybe one one hundredth of everything that was recorded. That hopefully, gradually, bit by bit, I'll pull it together for the website. Um, well, Mary, let's start from the beginning because, um, sure. you know, some of our listeners are not necessarily drivers. You're famous in our driving world, so we all know you. But um, let's talk a little bit about your ponies and uh, what kind of ponies do you drive? I had just gotten a farm in Kentucky and said, oh, now I can finally have something of my own and wear a pretty hat and drive around and have fun. <laughs> You know, so that's how it all started with a Shetland pony that I got and um, then competed with, then got a second one and learned how to do pairs because they were so small that I couldn't really fairly do the combined driving, but didn't think it was fair to my little 10-hand pony. Um, I couldn't have a navigator and all that. So Mm -hmm. I got a second and I learned how to do pairs. Mm-hmm. That's where it began. Um, they were small and uh, weren't that great, but we did a lot of competitions in Florida, and we ended up doing all the big ones because that's all they had down there. Right. And, uh, so, and they were fun and fast on the marathon. They weren't ever really that great in dressage. And about, let's see, I think this is our, we're going into our fifth year I heard about these ponies uh, owned by my good friend, Johnny Robb, who's a girl, Johnny Robb. She's a Mm -hmm. PR person in Wellington. She had contacted me about advertising them for sale on my website. And when she sent me the ad, I said, you know what? Uh, I might want them. And they were beautiful. (laughs) They were uh, a little bit bigger. They were paint. Uh, buckskin white and black Mm -hmm. flashy uh, yeah and their names were Al Capone and Bugsy Maloney (laughs) oh so they came with those names I thought you did those names they did yep they came with those names Uh, and they're registered classic American Shetland which in a nutshell is Shetland and Hackney 
bloodlines. Okay, so that's where you get the movement. So they're speed demons. Yeah, uh, yes, and they're hot, and you, but you get the refinement and the movement and all that. So that's where it all started, and um, I, Gary Yeager had them. He had just started driving them together, mm-hmm. and um, I, we, I went down um, with my husband, Wayne Humphreys, who you've had on the show, mm-hmm. and he's been around and, and has, uh, and we have Stephen Oak Park Bouncer here in the barn in Florida. Yeah. And so we went down. Our, that's our the, that's our first gold medalist in combined driving, little bouncer. That's right. Yes, exactly. And so um, anyway, uh, it was almost. I'm thinking I've got to look five years ago because it was over Thanksgiving that we drove to Florida to look at Al, Bugsy and Al, and. Um, so that's where it started, and I asked Bill Lauer uh, to come over and take a look at them along with us. And uh, we went into the barn, and I headed them. You know, that means typically when you're hooking up a horse, you always have somebody standing at the, the head mm-hmm. um, as extra um, security precaution. And Gary said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm heading them. And he says, no, you better step aside. (laughs) 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 And so they kind of like, we were in the barn, and Gary took off and cantered them around the field about 10 times for a while, and then they were ready to to trot. (laughs) 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 So that was our introduction, and I loved them right away. They were, it was like driving a Maserati. So then flash forward to now, you yeah. were on Team USA to compete uh, at the World Pony Championships. I know. In five years, it happened. And um, and where did I they know, have that competition? It was in Kisbeer, Hungary. Oh, my so, gosh. So uh, it was uh, quite an adventure and journey. And... Um, for the past four years, three or four years, I have worked on and off with Bram Chardon, mm-hmm. who the driving world knows who he is. I had him come over here when he was just 21, after he had won his third Pony Driving World Championships, and yeah. we did a clinic, and um, he drove my ponies intermediate at Hermitage because... I just had, you know, one little carriage (laughs) that I didn't have an advanced carriage and uh, just wanted to see what they could do, and they flew around (laughs) and actually ended up winning. So that's when I said, okay, you know, these ponies can do it. If he believes in them, I believe in them. I've been hearing a lot of, you know, getting a lot of energy saying that, oh, they're too small and they'll never be able to do it. And this year, Wayne and I took off. We now have four ponies so Mm -hmm. that are all the same coloring. We have Kimba, a mare, who's the smallest one. And then we have Tony the Pony. (laughs) Uh, It changed his name. It was Biscuit, but that wasn't going to cut it with us. So <laughs> Tony is the, a six-year-old and um, very promising and doing a good job. So we, we did it. We went all the way. We, we went to the Chardons for, who were wonderful to take us in because they're so busy, and we were there for three months, uh, July, August, September, Mm-hmm. And trained and trained with them and immersed ourselves in that life. Was that and in Holland? Was that in yeah. Holland? Yeah. It's very How close. fun. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. And um, it was. And did you get to drive the ponies down the little beautiful Dutch roads? Absolutely. Yep. 
a lot of that I shared, actually, on my Facebook page. We went mm-hmm. into little villages on bicycle trails um, all along. And without, I mean, one of the first things I noticed about being there is that nothing seems to be a big deal to those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs> so if 25 bicycles is coming down the bike trail and you're on it, it's not a problem. And, <laughs> and go out on a road and over there, people don't slow down just because you're in a horse and a carriage. They're used to seeing that and they yeah. don't slow down. So now tell us about your gold medal winning cones round. It was. It seems so exciting. I was like so happy for you. Thank you. It was pretty amazing. Uh, we had had. What place were you in going into cones? Do you remember what place you were in going yeah, into cones? Uh huh. We had. Um, we were there in the pairs division. There were thirty-eight entries. Mm-hmm. So after massage, we were. I think around twenty-eighth or so. We for us, we had a good dressage. Um, and, and, you know, the, the dressage, you're competing against, like, fancy, big dressage ponies. So yep, that's not bad. Not, not bad at all. Bram was thrilled. Absolutely, yep. absolutely thrilled. Right. And, in fact, since then, we've even made more progress in that department. But then I'm the luckiest girl in the world because it was Bram who rode on the back of the carriage with me in the marathon. Oh, great. You can't get a better navigator than Bram. No. And uh, he had just won the European championships. What I learned just by being there, walking the course with him and other competitors and how Mm -hmm. he decides the routes and knows how certain um, moves are going to going to happen, and so uh, we knew what we were going to do, and um, had the had the routes down. There were eight eight obstacles, and they were very very long, they, and they were the smallest ponies in the whole competition. <laughs> oh, what are the what are they? Twelve hands? Um, uh, no, they're eleven. Three, 11, oh wow! Three. So after the marathon, we were in nineteenth place. Oh, good! That's great. So the way they do cones uh, in a world championships is they have the out of the division. You know, they kind of work you. They work their way up to the top ten. Mm-hmm. So they have everyone up until the top ten in the singles, pairs, and fours go in the morning. Then they take a lunch break, and then the top ten, single, uh, pair, and fours go in the afternoon. They feature the top ones. Right. So we were in the lower half and uh, started to warm up, and the ponies were wild. I mean, (laughs) they had just done a marathon, and... Mm -hmm. They were wild, and Kimba was leaping all over the place, and Bram just stayed calm, and and he just reminded me, you know, just stay straight. Just a, one more stride when you get through there. Think, stay straight before you make that turn. He went through the course, and I kept, a couple times I was really focused, but a couple times I thought, you know, I don't think I've hit anything yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great feeling. I don't don't see anybody getting up to put a ball back on a cone yet. (laughs) You know, I don't. And I think I I can't. Wow. You know, and so we did the last movement. Uh, We had to make a, a, you know, bolt up to 17, 18, 19, and 20, and then, Galloped through 20, and I heard the announcer say, Mary Phelps, USA, clear. We had Uh, a little bit of time, you mm -hmm. know, so we had 1.5 penalties, and I was thrilled. I mean, we did the world championships well. I mean, I was thrilled, but there were a lot more ponies to go. There were a lot more, and there was the top 10. 
And uh, you know, I, I went. I even went back and started packing the trailer and the camper. <laughs> and, Time to leave. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just. I mean, I just started packing, and then I thought, you know, let me go back and see where I'm at now. You know? Right. <laughs> and. Uh, and I should get a picture of my name on the scoreboard because it looks pretty cool. Mary Phelps with the American flag. And lo and behold, I was still in first place. <laughs> so uh, then they had the top 10 and I thought, well, maybe I should watch this, you know, and right. see what, so Bram and I, Bram was with me and um, Danielle Amat, who's the director of driving at USEF and, um, and Dee Aldrich, who's our chef to keep, and Wayne was up in the stands watching and text. So the 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 ten start going, and then every everyone had at least one, two, three balls. Mm-hmm. So I by the time the top ten started, I had moved up to I think sixteenth place, sixteenth right. or seventeenth, and then um, and so which I was thrilled. I just thought that right. was great. Well, now there's going to be a couple double clears. You know, somebody's going to make the time, and and but I was happy, and nobody made the time, and nobody and everybody had balls. And so was your heart be- beating so fast while you were watching? You know, I was. I just. I was stunned. (laughs) 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 That's pretty much, and even Bram looked a little stunned, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and he said in a couple of, uh, and it was the small ponies that did well in the coast. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, and he says, well, this one always goes double clear, so. Just you know, he was just downplaying it as much as possible, and then they had a ball. So finally, the final, the the number one pair, you know, that was in first place went in, and I could kind of tell just by the way they started out that they weren't going to make the time. They started out too slow, and then they had a ball. And Bram and I looked at each other, and we're like. We won the cones. You know, <laughs> we won the cones division of the Pony World Championships in our first world championships ever with the smallest ponies. And I'm not ashamed to say my age. I'm 68 years old now. <laughs> and I was the second oldest driver in the whole group. And, um, and we won. So it was just incredible. And, uh, of course, Bram was going to Europe for three months and really focusing on training and really getting used to all that's involved at that level of horsemanship was the key, you know, to... It was the key. Well, Mary, you're such such an inspiration to everyone because... uh... You know, when you drive little ponies and, you know, like my horses were just barely horses. So I also am like always cheering for the little guys. But uh, it's so nice to see these little American Shetlands doing so great. And you and Wayne had such a wonderful time there. And you did really did a wonderful job representing the United States. So congratulations. We're so proud of you. Thank you. And I just appreciate all the support that we had from U.S. Equestrian, and um, we we did a fundraiser early on um, to help us because it was, wasn't was cheap to do it this oh, way. Yeah, yeah but, they don't charge uh, you a lot less to fly ponies. <laughs> so. It's the same price for the yeah. ponies. Yeah, it takes the same amount of yeah. box stall. So. Well, thank you, Mary, so much. And once again, we're so proud of you. And Congratulations. We look forward to the Pony power. again. This year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And thank you so much for having me on. It was really fun.
time for our weekly chat with the American Driving Society. So we have Dan is back from the American Driving Society, and we're so excited because we're only a few weeks away from the annual meeting, which is here in Florida. Dan, uh, when is the annual meeting again, and where is it at? Okay, the meeting starts on the 5th of December and runs through the 8th, and it is at the Grand Oaks in Ocala, which is the location that we've had it at for the last couple of years. Um, Tom Warner and the people at Grand Oaks have been incredibly generous to us and welcoming, and they give us use of a lot of facilities. And This year, they're helping us put on an event, a driving event, which we have not done before at the annual meeting, so we're very excited about that. Well, we are thinking about, Wendy and I are thinking about coming in on the Saturday. We actually have our big 12-hour uh, holiday radiothon the Monday before. But what, uh, what, what's planned for the Saturday? Saturday is a pretty full day. Saturday starts off in the early morning with a driving derby. Oh, those are fun. Uh, we don't yet know how many people will be in it, but we have 15 entries for all of our activities so far or for each of our activities so far. So we should have quite a number of people. We start off with that. Then we move to demonstration drives of our new dressage tests. Um, and that's something we're really, really excited to be able to do. Uh, we have just put on our website this week uh, our new tests. We have three at training level, three at prelim, and three at intermediate, as well as six arena driving trial tests. So that's 14, 15 new tests um, all at once, which is a first for the ADS in years. Um, the tests are, to some extent, it's the same movements, obviously, because you can't really change all the movements, but they're in a different mm -hmm. order and in different places. And I've driven the training and prelim ones, and they're a lot of fun to drive. Um, oh, and I'm looking forward to using them in the training of my horses. I didn't see uh, any we're gonna have some passages added. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, you know, I've always thought it would be a lot of fun to try to do uh, Piaf in harness. Um, I've done it unintentionally a few times. Agree, but... <laughs> yeah, Glenn's actually... I've done a lot of it unintentionally a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all kind of slowed things down to the point where it came close. I've, I have a couple of stallions, uh, Lusitanos, that I own that would that can do fabulous Piaf and Passage, but they don't pull carriages, so I'm not sure how well that would work, but it'd be fun. So there's none of that. There is um, a little bit more movement using the having the reins in one hand which has caused a certain amount of discussion on the internet over the last week or so um we had previously a one-handed movement at prelim in our arena trial but not in the outdoor tests and now two of the outdoor tests have the driver taking the reins in one hand as they cross the uh, do a diagonal as they cross x take the reins in one hand for a few steps. And it's really just a, a practice thing and a chance to experience driving with one hand in a straight line. So I, I think most people will find that pretty reasonable. Um, we're going to yeah, do and, those. And you and don't have to get have... all upset about it. You know, like if you can't do it, then you just don't do it. And it's only one movement. It can't, it's not going to make a big difference, you know? That's correct. And honestly, so, I think pretty pretty much everybody at some time or another puts the, the reins in one hand and just goes I know. forward. How do you drink I your like champagne? To do it just for fun. How do you scratch your ear? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the two important things. I like to think people drink their champagne sitting still. <laughs> Damn. But Jeez. that's because I'm very safety conscious. <laughs> I have no problem. <laughs> and no texting and driving. I've seen either. Wendy drink her champagne in every situation imaginable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, one of my friends was driving one of my ponies on Tuesday, and she was texting while she did it. And it's just, you know, don't text and drive. <laughs> um, it's just wrong. It's it's just wrong. Um, after the dressage tests, we have uh, we still have a whole lot that day because we have our annual meeting on Saturday afternoon. 
which uh, this year there's no election, but uh, I'm sure there's, as always, there's a lot of discussion. And then Saturday night is our gala at which we um, celebrate the 45 years of the ADS's history and hand out a lot of awards. Uh, We used to have a a handout awards for various things during the course of the year. Now we do them all at the gala. So we will be doing our Young Driver Awards, our Calculated Intermediate and Prelim Championship Awards, our Dressage Awards, um, the President's Award, which I can't tell you about because that's a big secret, <laughs> and uh, a Volunteer of the Year Award. Yes, this is a surprise. And, uh, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff that was a big hit last year and I hope will be just as big a hit this year. So if, is there anything, uh, to wrap this up, is there anything, if somebody lives in the area and they just want to come down and watch something, if they're not an ADS member, is there anything they can come watch? Or do you have yeah, to be a member? they can come on. No, as far as I know, you don't have to be a member to come watch the combined test on Friday morning. Okay. And you don't have to be a member to watch the derby or the um, demos. Okay. You do have to be a member to attend the annual meeting. Um, you don't have to be a member to attend the gala. You just have to pay for it. And everyone is welcome at the party. Um, and then Sunday morning, we have a board meeting, and that's for the board and um, for members. Well, Dan, thank you so much. It's uh, AmericanDrivingSociety.org is the website, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Well, our favorite endurance endurance driver, Tony Troyer, is back to update us on the fight to save Chicago's carriages. Welcome back, Tony. It's been a long time. Been a, quite a while. It's great to be on the show again. Well, uh, you know, I was on Facebook the other day, and I saw that you're like a big TV star now. You're on the news and, uh, you know, fighting for the rights of, of uh, commercial carriage drivers to keep driving in the city. Tell us all about what's been going on. Well, as, as some, some people may not realize, I am vice president of the Horseman's Council of Illinois, and mm-hmm. I am also a carriage owner-operator with a carriage business in northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so part of my job is advocating for this particular situation with the carriage operators. And the city of Chicago, they, um, they've got some, uh, the Chicago Alliance for Animals, mm-hmm. they really have been causing some havoc up here. And I was on TV, yes, um, on Chicago Tonight, um, a PBS uh, program, that we actually got some headway through that, um, showing that they really know nothing about horses. Right. And the, the summary of the whole show after watching it and everything, um, we were able to get them to basically admit that the only, the only reason why it's inhumane is because they're breaking the ordinances. Mm-hmm. And really, that's two separate issues. So um, it just so, so happens uh, today that I will be speaking with one of the aldermen up here, uh, Alderman Emma Mitz, who is in control of the uh, Consumer Protection Board that governs over the top of the carriage operators. But Tony, just explain to us, because, you know, we're all horse people and as a horse person, especially somebody doing combined driving, I look at these carriage horses and I think, wow, that's so easy. They get to just walk around, they get petted, they take people for rides on flat ground on the, on the, on the pavement. Like it's so easy pulling. Like what, why are these people not wanting the horses in the city? Well, first of all, it, it, you know, one of the things um, that was mentioned was the the noise in the urban area. They're not meant to be here. And I pretty much gave that a debacle uh, and, and, and summarized that these horses is what brought this city in, you know, that right. built the city. And right. they've, our training 
in a carriage for carriage operators, you know, these horses just don't go and get stuck in the city saying, okay, hopefully it'll work. No, there's a training protocol they go through and, um, you know, they, they look at any city, you know, those new uh, the operators, when they bring in a new horse, they get them out there and they, they're, they got a certain level of training and mm-hmm. they get, they're used to the horn talking right. and, um, you know, walking down the pavement. Well, they think it's, that's a bad thing. Well, if they're shod properly, I say yeah. it's okay. I mean, well, um, you know, and so there's it, lots it's of a, hard ground in lots of different places. I mean, do these people even have any animals? Do they have any horse experience? None. At all? None. They so had, them they, the, she admitted that. Oh, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, well, how can they say what's good for animals if they actually have, have no experience with animals and no credentials with any animals? Well, they might have the dog and the cat. Actually, the Chicago Animal Alliance for Animals does not have equine ex- expertise or experience. Well, you know what uh, I think is really difficult for you guys as horse people is, that, you know, horse people are busy taking care of their horses and doing things. You know, they're not sitting around in front of their computer all day or lobbying politicians. So Exactly. I think it's really uh, a labor of love what you're doing, giving this much of your time, which, I mean, you are so busy anyways and, to uh, help fight for and, horses. And let's be, let's be honest. They don't care about all of that. They just want the damn horses out of the city, just like New York. They just they would rather yeah. none of us own horses, to be honest. That's what they really want, ultimately. Um, you know, I said this when, when we covered this 10 years ago, Wendy, when we were talking to yeah. the people in New York and we had, we had the author John Katz on about it. Remember? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not changed. They just don't want us owning animals that we do anything with. That's, it, that's never changed. Uh, and it's still, but the problem is because of everything that's happening, they're starting to gain headway and it. I keep saying horse people better be aware because this ball rolls downhill and it's going to take everybody out with it. It's just going to be one step at a time. Um, And and yes, you're true, Glenn. That is totally true because the next, we have to be in a forethought thinking of what is next when it comes to legislation inside Illinois or anywhere. What is next with, with the animal rights activists, you know, what, you know, if if they win this, what's next? Well, and, and, and you know, um, racing isn't helping because they're trying to kill themselves. I mean, over there, you know, that's a yeah. bad pun, actually, because so many horses are dying. They're tr- they're doing it to themselves, and they don't seem to want to fix it. And, you know, racing is going to be the one. The problem with the carriage driving thing in cities is it's so small, and very few people, to be honest, care, right, in the general scheme of things. But with racing, yeah. it's so big and so popular around the world that people are noticing. And unfortunately, PETA and everybody else is noticing, too. So the racing is going to be the one that I'm really worried about sending things over the edge. If they gain headway in racing, which, by the way, racing should clean itself up. There's big problems there. So, you know, if they if but if they gain their headway in racing, you know what's for sports next? Next eventing. Eventing's the other one they're going to target because, you know, horses die in eventing, people die in eventing all the time. We've had a bad year in eventing, actually, around the world. So, and, and, and at the same time, I mean, you, you can go another step of, of the, you know, FEI endurance. Oh, yeah. I mean, that way. I mean, it, it, it's huge. And one of, the, one of the key things that we're trying to do in Illinois is we are talking about the um, a, a, having the bill, Calvary Group has started it, and it's, it's now in about nine to ten states, and it's the Working Animal Protection Act. And every state needs to have this bill uh, go through. And it, it's not just for carriages. It's not just for horses. It's working dogs it's, it's, that are not covered under the ADA. It is the, you know, the rodeos, you know, your 4-H events, everything, or any animal enterprise, petting zoos, 
you would not be able to have a petting zoo, you know, and that's and cruel like that. and unusual punishment. You know, this is what's <laughs> happening. It's taking the chance of people that aren't exposed to animals. It's taking their chance of being exposed to them away. So they get less and less sympathy for animals. It's a, it's a and vicious cycle. It is. But, and Tony, and, how, that's where we and it's a catch 22. Yeah. What can we do as horse people to, to help you guys in Chicago? Right now, I think some of the biggest help that we can get is to to keep putting pressure on the aldermen to talk, keep the keep the talk going, because at this point they they're starting they're wanting to shut it down without even having a conversation. And, and they can mm-hmm. and they want to do that because it's easy. That's what politicians want. Oh, they want the easy thing, and yeah. that's easy. Well, t- Tony, we're, we're, we're out of time. Is there a place people can go? Right now, the uh, Safe Chicago uh, Carriages, um, the Carriage On page, there's a lot of chatter on the Carriage On page, as well as the Calvary Group and uh, the Horseman's Council of Illinois page. So we're up here fighting today. I'm, t- I'm going to be talking to the aldermen and and we're setting up a game plan i'm and i i found it on facebook it's safe chicago carriages on facebook as well which i just uh liked uh thank you tony for joining us again we really appreciate it and good luck in your fight and we'll we'll keep in touch okay thank you guys very much the weather outside is frightful but hrn is so delightful Time to get your voicemail entries in for the 5th Annual Holiday Radiothon by Stateline Tech. It is your chance to win over $5,000 in prizes. What better gift can you receive at Christmas than cool horse stuff for you and your horse? Prizes this year include your choice of any Wintech saddle, up to a $1,500 value. Or you could win a $500 gift certificate from Kelly Heard Jewelry. Other great prizes from other great companies include Uncle Jimmy's, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Monty Roberts, Smooth Stride Jeans, State Line Tack, Horse Lovers, Gene Abernathy, Cavallo Boots, Biostar, Horse Holster, Benefab, and many, many more. You have until November 18th to get your entries in. Visit HolidayRadiothon.com to see how to enter. That's HolidayRadiothon.com. Head on over today. You don't want to miss out. Well, it's time for our Tremont training tip, and we have Kitty Cadwell here of Tremont Farm in Southern Pines, North Carolina, where she trains driving horses and ponies with her sister, Miranda. Welcome, Kitty. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Glenn. Well, you've had such an exciting fall. You've been doing all kinds of things. Um, but I see that recently you were just the big winner at the Frisian uh, Young Horse Performance Test. Yeah, so, uh, yes, busy, busy between our combined driving horses and the Frisians. And, yes, there was a curring out at Del Mar in California for the, um, you know, the FHA of North America, so Frisian Horse Association of North America. Mm-hmm. And they send judges over from Holland to look at these young Frisians and say, are they to the breed standard? Are they not to the breed standard? So it was really interesting and fun to go do that. Oh, that sounds great. You know, like some people that may not be familiar with the Frisians, I, I mean, like what, tell us what the judges are looking for. So it, it is a pretty hair. Breed. Is it about the hair? Pretty, very. Oh, very pretty hair, <laughs> long manes. Wendy, I saw one whose mane went all the way down to his front ankle. Oh my God. Did they get extra points for Who that? Who wants to take care of that? <laughs> <laughs> These people do. They love their big manes and tails. <laughs> But they don't have to wash white socks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yes, all black. <laughs> so, yes, they look for a, a natural head carriage, big movement in front, powerful behind. And we, um, I went with Joan Fernandez and Frisian Focus, and we took a bunch of young ones there to get there. They rank them, and then they give them uh, stars and premiums and uh, ultimately for the mares a crown. So, you know, it's important in this breeding to keep the breeding, you know, right on target for what the Dutch want. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for young horses to be judged on performance. I mean, we've all had horses that just don't want to work and you shouldn't breed ones with that attitude. Right. So we took the two young mares and they're the Frisians do what is called an IBOP test. And what it is, is it is a walk trot canter test mm-hmm. for four year old and above. And it is in a, to me, rather small arena of 25 meters by 40 meters. Oh, wow. And that's through driving. You had to drive in there. Yes, the riding and the driving are in that. So I wow. took the two mares and did the test with them. And the mm-hmm. first mare, she got a very good score. And then the second mare went in and turned in a fantastic score. And the judges were super impressed and even came out to tell me that uh, th- that was one of the best tests they've seen. Thank you for driving so well. And by the way, so far I was leading nationally in the IBOP score because these judges go all around North America looking mm-hmm. at Frisians. Oh, wow. So then much to my surprise, uh, Joan sends me the other day, they have sent her coolers and ribbons. And so, yes, uh, we had the national best score for the IBOP test for young horses. Oh, congratulations. Yes, very proud of her. It was Trinka. And even better, it was a homebred for Joan. It was from her fancy stallion that she imported, Monta, and one of her star mares. Oh, she must be so proud. Yes. And then, so I drove in the morning, and then they had to be presented in hand later in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So we present her in hand later in the afternoon, and she ends up, Trinka ends up winning best mare, best of show, and they awarded her a crown, which is very oh. unusual. So wow. essentially, she is talked out now until she has a baby. That is so great. And yeah, so what, we're what very proud of her. So special? Like, what are the things, uh, what are the things that can get this Frisian diva her crown? Uh, I think she's just, she is a uh, show pony. She loves going to shows and she loves yeah. to show off and it shows in her attitude. So, mm-hmm. you know, she has that big natural movement and she is just happy to do her work. And like you said, showing them in there what they're meant to do, I think was yeah. a big plus for this mayor to the judges that they could see mm-hmm. what she's capable of in actual work. Yeah, because I mean, the Frisians they look pretty similar to each other, right? Cause they don't really have any markings. So with this breed, especially not having a performance test, I mean, you know, what if you breed one that, you know, I have uh, remember my pony Izzy, my Welsh pony Izzy that I sold to Dale Govis. I had his yes. sister, but yeah. And I had his sister. I thought, Oh, she's going to be great. Cause she's Izzy's sister. That pony, like when she got sweaty, she would lay down because she didn't want to work. Like that, she's super tired. Yeah, she's tired, <laughs> sweaty. She doesn't want to work. But like that is not a performance horse. But she might look good on the end of a rope. So you maybe you want to breed her. But I mean, if we in America are going to breed quality sport horses that actually are for sport, then a performance test like this really can show. Like this mare has trainability and temperament to be a sport horse, and hopefully yes, she'll give that to said- her babies. People said, oh, good, now you can breed her. And I said, oh, no, she's still, she's young. She's four years old. I'm putting her in the foreign hand. She's yeah, going oh, right in to work with the big boys. Yeah. I think that's really important.
So any horse that I've had, you know this, uh, because you also have dealt in a lot of driving horses. Mm-hmm. When people come back to us, and I've sold mine for big fancy dressage horses or jumpers, or mm-hmm. they come back to us and they say, working them in driving as a young horse makes them so strong and so accepting of everything around them because we do not shelter our horses. Yeah. They go out on the road, they see everything and they do everything, and it's the same at a show. So I feel like it helps. The driving helps them build a strong hind end. They learn how to move properly. And it also teaches them to just accept everything around them. So it makes for really well-rounded horses, I feel like. Riding and driving is good for them. You know, I think, too, with the driving, which is what I kind of realized when I started driving, is they have to be obedient, but they have to also think on their own because you're not sitting on them. So sometimes when you're sitting on them, you're constantly telling them what to do with your body, you know, but when you're driving, well, you, figure- to, you tell them to park and they have to park and then like, you know, talk amongst themselves until you're ready to do something. That's exactly right. Because you figure when you sit on them, even if you don't think about it naturally, you use your seat and your legs and mm-hmm. you shift body weight. All we have in the carriage is those two little thin lines to their mouth. Yeah. That's all we have. So we have to teach them, yes, to think for themselves and to to listen to us and yeah. pay attention to their job. And yes, standing is an important part of that. Well, congratulations on your great weekend. It was so interesting to hear all about this performance test. Uh, yeah, and we look forward to talking to you for your next training tip next month. Perfect. Dr. Wendy, where can people find you and uh, your store? You can find me at drwendyying.com. That's drwendyying.com. And, of course, you can find all the past episodes of this particular episode of Horses in the Morning at drivingradioshow.com. You'll find them all there. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Friday, so really bad ads day. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We thank our sponsors, the American Driving Society and Dr. Wendy Ying. And all of you, our patrons, our auditors, we really appreciate you as well. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all tomorrow. All right, keep the shiny side up.